This is day 26 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read Leviticus chapters 11 through 14 and Psalm chapter 26. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning seeking peace, seeking comfort, seeking wisdom. And Lord, ultimately we come because we seek your face. We know, Lord, in our heart of hearts that you are the answer to everything that woes us, that grieves us, that excites us. You are everything to us. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us an affection and a desire to seek you that we didn't have when we were unsaved. Lord, thank you for taking the blindfold off of the eyes of our hearts and our souls and allowing us to see you more clearly than we ever could have on our own. Lord, as we enter into your word, help us to understand what it means to be holy. Just as you are holy, you desire for us to be holy as well. Please reveal yourself in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord spoke again to Moses and to Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, These are the creatures which you may eat from all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever divides a hoof, thus making split hooves, and choose the cud among the animals, that you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat of these among those which chew the cud or among those which divide the hoof. The camel, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. Likewise, the chiffon, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. The rabbit also, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. And the pig, for though it divides the hoof, thus making a split hoof, it does not chew cud. It is unclean to you. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. These you may eat, whatever is in the water, all that have fins and scales, those in the water, in the seas, or in the rivers, you may eat. But whatever is in the seas, or in the rivers, that does not have fins and scales, among all the teeming life of the water, and among all the living creatures that are in the water, they are detestable things to you, and they shall be abhorrent to you. You shall not eat of their flesh, and their carcasses you shall detest. Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales is abhorrent to you. These, moreover, you shall detest among the birds. They are abhorrent, not to be eaten. The eagle and the vulture and the buzzard and the kite, and the falcon in its kind, every raven in its kind, and the ostrich, and the owl, and the seagull, and the hawk in its kind, and the little owl, and the cormorant, and the great owl, and the white owl, and the pelican, and the carrion vulture, and the stork, the heron in its kinds, and the hoopoe, and the bat. All the winged insects, that walk on all fours, are detestable to you. Yet these you may eat among all the winged insects which walk on all fours, those which have above their feet jointed legs with which to jump on the earth. These of them you may eat, the locust in its kinds, 
and the devastating locust in its kinds, and the cricket in its kinds, and the grasshopper in its kinds. But all other winged insects, which are four-footed, are detestable to you. By these, moreover, you will be made unclean. Whoever touches their carcasses becomes unclean until evening. And whoever picks up any of their carcasses shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Concerning all the animals which divide the hoof, but does not make a split hoof, or which do not chew cud, they are unclean to you. Whoever touches them becomes unclean. Also, whatever walks on its paws, among all the creatures that walk on all fours, are unclean to you. Whoever touches their carcasses becomes unclean until evening. And the one who picks up their carcasses shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. They are unclean to you. Now these are to you the unclean among the swarming things which swarm on the earth, the mole and the mouse and the great lizard in its kinds, and the gecko and the crocodile and the lizard and the sand reptile and the chameleon. These are to you the unclean among all the swarming things. Whoever touches them when they are dead becomes unclean until evening. Also, anything on which one of them may fall when they are dead becomes unclean, including any wooden article, or clothing, or a skin, or a sack, any article of which use is made. It shall be put in the water and be unclean until evening. Then it becomes clean. As for any earthenware vessel into which one of them may fall, whatever is in it becomes unclean, and you shall break the vessel. Any of the food which may be eaten, on which water comes, shall become unclean. Any liquid which may be drunk in every vessel shall become unclean. Everything, moreover, on which part of their carcass may fall becomes unclean. An oven or a stove shall be smashed. They are unclean and shall continue as unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern collecting water shall be clean, though the one who touches their carcass shall be unclean. If a part of their carcass falls on any seed for sowing, which is to be sown, it is clean. Though if water is put on the seed and a part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. Also, if one of the animals dies, which you have for food, the one who touches its carcass becomes unclean until evening. He too, who eats some of its carcass, shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And the one who picks up its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Now every swarming thing that swarms on the earth is detestable, not to be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly and whatever walks on all fours, whatever has many feet, in respect to every swarming thing that swarms on the earth, you shall not eat them, for they are detestable. Do not render yourselves detestable through any of the swarming things that swarm, and you shall not make yourselves unclean with them, so that you become unclean. 
for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the law regarding the animal and the bird and every living thing that moves in the waters and everything that swarms on the earth to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the edible creature and the creature which is not to be eaten. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation she shall be unclean. On the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for thirty-three days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary, until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation, and she shall remain in the blood of her purification for sixty-six days. When the days of her purification are completed, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon and a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy, on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days. The priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed, and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. The priest shall look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab. 
and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spreads farther on the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again to the priest. The priest shall look, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When the infection of leprosy is on a man, then he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall then look, and if there is a white swelling in the skin, and it has turned the hair white, and there is quick raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprosy on the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. If the leprosy breaks out farther on the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of him who has the infection, from his head even to his feet, as far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and behold, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. It has all turned white, and he is clean. But whenever new flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. The priest shall look at the raw flesh, and he shall pronounce him unclean. The raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or, if the raw flesh turns again and is changed to white, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall look at him, and behold, if the infection has turned to white, then the priest shall pronounce clean him who has the infection. He is clean. When the body has a boil on the skin, and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there is a white swelling, or a reddish-white bright spot, then it will be shown to the priest. And the priest shall look, and behold, if it appears to be lower than the skin, and the hair on it has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the infection of leprosy. It has broken out in the boil. But if the priest looks at it, and behold, there are no white hairs in it, and it is not lower than the skin, and is faded, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And if it spreads farther on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection. But if the bright spot remains in its place and does not spread, it is only the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or, if the body sustains in its skin a burn by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish-white or white, then the priest shall look at it. And if the hair in the bright spot has turned white, and it appears to be deeper than the skin, it is leprosy. It has broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. Is an infection of leprosy. But if the priest looks at it, and indeed there is no white hair in the bright spot, and it is no deeper than the skin, but is dim, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days, and the priest shall look at him on the seventh day. If it spreads farther on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infection of leprosy. 
But if the bright spot remains in its place and has not spread in the skin, but is dim, it is the swelling from the burn. And the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is only the scar of the burn. Now, if a man or a woman has an infection on the head or on the beard, then the priest shall look at the infection, and if it appears to be deeper than the skin, and there is thin yellowish hair in it, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scale. It is leprosy of the head or of the beard. But if the priest looks at the infection of the scale, and indeed it appears to be no deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the person with the scaly infection for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall look at the infection, and if the scale has not spread, and no yellowish hair has grown in it, and the appearance of the scale is no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but he shall not shave the scale, and the priest shall isolate the person with the scale seven more days. Then on the seventh day, the priest shall look at the scale, and if the scale has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale spreads farther in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look at him, and if the scale has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellowish hair. He is unclean. If in his sight the scale has remained, however, and black hair has grown on it, the scale has healed. He is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, even white bright spots, then the priest shall look, and if the bright spots on the skin of their bodies are a faint white, it is eczema that has broken out on the skin. He is clean. Now if a man loses the hair of his head, he is bald, he is clean. If his head becomes bald at the front and sides, he is bald on the forehead. He is clean. But if on the bald head or the bald forehead there occurs a reddish-white infection, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall look at him, and if the swelling of the infection is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprosy in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His infection is on his head. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When a garment has a mark of leprosy in it, whether it is a wool garment or a linen garment, whether in warp or woof, of linen or of wool, whether in leather or in any article made of leather, 
If the mark is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather or in the warp or in the woof or in any article of leather, it is a leprous mark and shall be shown to the priest. Then the priest shall look at the mark and shall quarantine the article with the mark for seven days. He shall then look at the mark on the seventh day. And if the mark has spread in the garment, whether in the warp or in the woof or in the leather, whatever the purpose for which the leather is used, the mark is a leprous malignancy. It is unclean. So he shall burn the garment, whether the warp or the woof, in wool or in linen, or any article of leather in which the mark occurs. For it is a leprous malignancy. It shall be burned in the fire. But if the priest shall look, and indeed the mark has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, then the priest shall order them to wash the thing in which the mark occurs, and he shall quarantine it for seven more days. After the article with the mark has been washed, the priest shall again look. And if the mark has not changed its appearance, even though the mark has not spread, it is unclean. He shall burn it in the fire, whether an eating away has produced barrenness on the top or in the front of it. Then if the priest looks, and if the mark has faded after it has been washed, then he shall tear it out of the garment or out of the leather, whether from the warp or from the woof. And if it appears again in the garment, whether in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, it is an outbreak. The article with the mark shall be burned in the fire. The garment, whether the warp or the woof, or any article of leather from which the mark has departed, when you washed it, it shall then be washed a second time and will be clean. This is the law for the mark of leprosy in a garment of wool or linen, whether in the warp or in the woof, or in any article of leather, for pronouncing it clean or unclean. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop, and shall dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. He shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the live bird go free over the open field. The one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe in water, and be clean. Now afterward he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. 
it will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Now on the eighth day, he is to take two male lambs without defect, and a yearling ewe lamb without defect, and three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, and one log of oil. And the priest who pronounces him clean shall present the man to be cleansed. And the aforesaid before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Then the priest shall take the one male lamb and bring it for a guilt offering with the log of oil, and present them as a wave offering before the Lord. Next he shall slaughter the male lamb in the place where they slaughter the sin offering and the burnt offering, at the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall then take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall also take some of the log of oil and pour it into his left palm. The priest shall then dip his right hand finger into the oil that is in his left palm, and with his finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. Of the remaining oil which is in his palm, the priest shall put some on the right ear lobe of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the guilt offering. While the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm, he shall put it on the head of the one to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf before the Lord. The priest shall next offer the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterward he shall slaughter the burnt offering. The priest shall offer up the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he will be clean. But if he is poor, and his means are insufficient, then he is to take one male lamb for a guilt offering as a wave offering to make atonement for him, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, and a log of oil and two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, which are within his means. The one shall be a sin offering, and the other a burnt offering. Then, the eighth day, he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest, at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord. The priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall offer them for a wave offering before the Lord. Next he shall slaughter the lamb of the guilt offering, and the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest also shall take some of the oil into his left palm, and with his right hand finger the priest shall sprinkle some of the oil that is in his left palm seven times before the Lord. 
The priest shall then put some of the oil that is in the palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the place of the blood of the guilt offering. Moreover, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed, to make atonement on his behalf before the Lord. He shall then offer one of the turtle doves, or young pigeons, which are within his means. He shall offer what he can afford, the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, together with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the one to be cleansed. This is the law for him in whom there is an infection of leprosy, whose means are limited for his cleansing. The Lord further spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land of your possession, then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, Something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me in the house. The priest shall then command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the mark, so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to look at the house. So he shall look at the mark, and if the mark on the walls of the house have greenish or reddish depressions, and appears deeper than the surface, then the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. The priest shall return on the seventh day and make an inspection. If the mark has indeed spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark in them and throw them away at an unclean place outside the city. He shall have the house scraped all around inside, and they shall dump the plaster that they scrape off at an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and replace those stones, and he shall take other plaster and replaster the house. If, however, the mark breaks out again in the house, after he has torn out the stones and scraped the house, and after it has been replastered, then the priest shall come and will make an inspection. If he sees that the mark has indeed spread in the house, it is a malignant mark in the house. It is unclean. He shall therefore tear down the house, its stones and its timbers, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall take them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever goes into the house during the time that he has quarantined it becomes unclean until evening. Likewise, whoever lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. If, on the other hand, the priest comes in and makes an inspection, and the mark has not indeed spread in the house after the house has been replastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, because the mark has not reappeared. To cleanse the house then, he shall take two birds 
and cedar wood, and a scarlet string, and hyssop. And he shall slaughter the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. Then he shall take the cedar wood, and the hyssop, and the scarlet string, with the live bird, and dip them in the blood of the slain bird, as well as in the running water, and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall thus cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water, along with the live bird and with the cedar wood and with the hyssop and with the scarlet string. However, he shall let the live bird go free outside the city into the open field. So he shall make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. This is the law for any mark of leprosy, even for a scale, and for the leprous garment or house, and for a swelling, and for a scab, and for a bright spot, to teach when they are unclean and when they are clean. This is the law of leprosy. Psalm chapter 26, a psalm of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not take my soul away along with sinners nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations I shall bless the Lord. Well, if you made it this far, congratulations. You did not quit one of the hardest stretches of Scripture that we're going to read throughout the year. It was grueling, but at the same time, it was very insightful in some ways. And let's talk very briefly, and I know that sometimes I say I'll be brief and then I'm actually not, but I will be brief in this one, I assure you. Chapter 11 deals primarily with food, what is considered clean and what is considered unclean. So he begins by explaining what kind of mammals are clean. So it has to divide the hoof, making split hooves, and it needs to chew the cud. Those are the only things that they are allowed to eat. And that's why you would have animals like cows or sheep or goats, things like that, which are acceptable to eat. But then you have some that are not, such as the camel or the pig. And then you have a weird one, the rabbit. Does a rabbit chew cud? It does, in fact. And for a long time, scientists did not know this. This was discovered fairly recently, but rabbits do chew cud. And so 
the Bible has always been correct, and that shouldn't surprise us at this point. Then he talks about what sea creatures are considered to be clean. And if it has scales or fins, then it is good. But otherwise, they can't eat it. So I personally love sushi. And it's a shame that they could not eat things like eel or shrimp or lobster, because those things don't have fins or scales. Same thing with pigs. It's a shame they couldn't eat pigs, because I love bacon. But there's another good reason why God made pigs an unclean animal. Because if you don't know this already, there is a special bacteria that is in pork that will make you terribly sick if you do not cook it thoroughly. And so you have to be very careful how you handle pork. And in this day, they wouldn't understand what microbiology is. If you explain to them what cells were or microorganisms, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. And so God instituted these things not only for their health, but also because he desires his people to be holy. Then he talks about the birds that are okay to eat. And of all the ones that are not okay to eat, one of the birds that you can't eat is the bat. Well, hold on. A bat is not a bird. So why is this in here? So don't get all crazy in thinking that God is saying that a bat is a kind of bird. The way that the Israelites classified animals in their day was different than how we classify animals in our scientific methods. So to them, it was considered another winged creature. And so these particular winged creatures were unclean, and a bat happens to fall into that category. It's not saying specifically that it is a bird. So let's just be clear about that. And then it talks about winged creatures that are okay to eat. But this is where people also get confused. Because it says that the locusts and the crickets and the grasshoppers walk on all fours. Well, hang on. Have you looked at how many legs those things have? They have six legs. So how is it that God says they walk on all fours? So what God is illustrating here is that some insects walk on all of their legs, but there are some that don't. For example, a mantis. They don't walk on all of their six legs. And also you're going to see that in other parts of Scripture where the language that they would use would say that they had hands. And a fly or a spider is one that comes to mind. If you imagine the fly, when they land on something, they rub their front legs together. Same thing with spiders. When they grab something to wrap it in webbing, they grab it with their front legs and manipulate the object with it. That, in the biblical language, they'll say they are hands. But they don't have hands like you and me. It's metaphorical language. So in this case, it's talking about insects that walk on all of their legs. But specifically, when it comes to things like crickets and stuff, it talks about the four legs that are in the front of it, and then the two for jumping are separate. So that's why it does it like that. But just in case you're like me and got confused as to what God is trying to say. Then he talks about all the things that swarm on the earth, like moles and lizards and stuff like that. And then it talks about what kind of containers or objects are considered unclean and how to handle those. 
And then he goes into the most important point of why all of the book of Leviticus is here to begin with. Verse 44, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. That's why he's doing all this. That's why he is giving them this law. It is for them to be holy. So that is why we need to take this seriously. There is deep truth in what is going on here. This is part of the covenant that God is making with Israel. It's part of the terms of being in a relationship with him. They didn't see all these little rules as things to, I'll choose to obey this one, I'll choose not to obey this one. Even the Jewish people understood it was all or nothing. This was a way of life. And so God intends it that way. And so we don't want to see the Bible as a list of rules that we get to pick and choose what we want to follow. In the same way, God is the one who desires to be worshipped and to be glorified, and he tells us how to do it, and we need to simply obey. Chapter 12 of Leviticus talks about childbirth and what the woman has to go through in order to be cleansed after childbirth. There is a different time limit between males and females, and quite honestly, I don't know why. I'm not quite sure why a mother is banned from religious duties for a longer period of time for a girl rather than for a boy, but it is what it is. Chapter 13 and 14 go into great detail about how to handle all forms of leprosy. And what's very interesting about this is that talks about not only leprosy on people, but it also talks about leprosy of objects and leprosy of buildings. And I thought that was very strange language, because I didn't know that objects and houses can get leprosy. So is it talking about something else, like mold or mildew? Is it talking about dry rot? The short answer to this is that It is an all-encompassing word, this word leprosy. Because in the Hebrew, the root word for leprosy is for something to be struck, when something strikes something. So it's referring to a scaly condition of the skin or on objects. And sometimes it's serious disease and sometimes it's not. And that's what the distinction of these two chapters is about. Now, yes, it does talk about leprosy in a human sense, which today we call that Hansen's disease. But it's also talking about other skin issues as well, like eczema, which I have eczema on my left foot, and so I understand how eczema works, as well as other growths and other discolorations of the skin. So in a lot of ways, this is a dermatologist handbook. The priest was not only called to be the mediator between God and man, but he was also a little bit of a doctor. He was a bit of a dermatologist, which is very interesting to see. And then when it goes into the section about having buildings or inanimate objects with leprosy, it's more of a description of like mold and mildew rather than it being leprosy the same way people get leprosy. So just to be clear on that, it's an all-encompassing category here. The people would not have known the difference back then. So God called all of it leprosy 
of some kind, so that they would know that distinction of what is considered unclean and what is considered clean. That's the whole point. He's teaching them what it means to be clean and to be unclean. Now, the last thing I'll say about leprosy is that there is a prescribed method for somebody who gets leprosy and is cured of it. There is no documented occasion where someone had leprosy and got cured of it. It has not been seen in those days. The only two people in the Bible who got cured of leprosy were Naaman through Elisha and the one that Jesus cured of his leprosy. And what did Jesus say? He said to go and show himself to the priest and do what the law says. And this is exactly where the law says it. And since it had never been done before, it is likely that in the hundreds of years that the temple was in existence, no priest ever saw a leper be cured of their leprosy. And so when this guy walks in and says, hey, I was cured of my leprosy, show me what I got to do. They probably would have been scratching their heads and been like, well, hang on, let me go look this up because I don't think we have ever come across this before. So God has a little bit of a sense of humor in it as well. But I find it really neat that a whole law in the scripture was written for one particular event in history. And that's pretty fascinating. Moving on to the Psalms. Psalm 26 is another Psalm of David. He is seeking vindication because of his integrity. He has upheld all the laws and commands of God. He has been obedient to him and has not strayed away from the path. And then he petitions God to deliver him out of the wicked hand, which is something that we see often happen in David's Psalms. It happened to him often, and it happens to us often as well. Now, one thing to note, though, is that he is acting in integrity. In other words, he is acting in a godly fashion. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, in the section that we call the Sermon on the Mount, that we will be blessed when we are persecuted and reviled. Being persecuted is not fun, but people will not persecute you if they don't know you're a Christian. If you are not living a godly life, your persecution will be minor. And that is, unfortunately, a sign of disobedience as well. David experienced all these problems because he was a godly man. But in addition to that, he understood who was able to rescue him from these issues, and that was God himself. He's the only one. Therefore, he sought refuge in the correct place, which we often don't do. And while I was reading this psalm, it brought me back to Leviticus. Like in verse 2, it says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. And I thought that was funny because I imagined God, like a priest, examining the person to see what it is. And God does that with us, doesn't he? He examines us all the time. And so often we need to recognize that he is looking for somebody who will obey him. And if we won't obey him, he won't use you in a very powerful way. So if you want to know what your purpose is, and if you want to be used by God, then you have to surrender yourself first to his service and be obedient 
to his commands. That is a requirement of being a proper godly Christian. Our scripture to memorize today is going to be in Leviticus. So this might be the one verse in Leviticus that you will memorize. Leviticus 11, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.